Welcome back to this week's episode of the 501 Hustle, where we interview mission-driven Gen Z entrepreneurs who are designing groundbreaking solutions, forging new paths, and redefining our future. This week, we met with Diana, co-founder and CEO of Include Design. Did you know that 61 million adults in the US have a disability? That's 26% of Americans. And did you know that 6 million of these folks with disabilities use a wheelchair? Now, even though this population is by no means a small niche, this demographic, people with disabilities, are one of the most overlooked demographics in American culture and business. A few weeks ago, we had Emma Butler, founder of Intimately, and she gave us insights into the lack of accessibility in the clothing industry. And today, we have Diana Perkins, co-founder and CEO of Include Design, a design firm creating adaptive products that empower individuals with disabilities. And Diana, along with her team, are getting ready to release their first product, the Lap Snap. They had a $10,000 Kickstarter goal, which they met in the first week, and Include Design will now use that money to manufacture the Lap Snap at scale. Now the lap snap was initially created to aid wheelchair users with the struggle of carrying several items while grocery shopping. And although that's still its primary functionality, with the versatility of the lap snap, it soon became evident that the lap snap made doing laundry, gardening, cleaning, and even transporting pets a lot easier and self-sufficient for wheelchair users. The founders of Include Design began by participating in Brown's 2020 Breakthrough Lab Accelerator and has since then been featured in Providence Business News and named one of Rhode Island's top 10 startups to watch in 2021. A design firm rooted in the Gen Z principles of inclusion and providing accessibility through product development, Include Design envisions a world where individuals with disabilities are both independent and prioritized. And with that, thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the 501 Hustle. I am your host, Vivek, Let's get started. None of us had ever learned how to sew before. So that first prototype was the, the first thing I'd ever made with a sewing machine. Uh, I still have it. It's terrible now compared to what, I, what I've done later. And then I also got nice fabric and webbing and stuff and made the first 10 prototypes of the lap snap so we could send them out to user testers around the country. Hey, Diana, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Diana Perkins graduated in 2020 from Brown University with a BS in Mechanical Engineering and a BA in an independent concentration in Industrial Design. I wanted to make products that help people. I know it's a cliche reason to get into engineering, but I think it's all reason that a lot of us get into engineering. And I realized that Brown's traditional engineering program wasn't necessarily going to help me do that. So I decided to start taking classes at RISD in their industrial design program, doing some psychology, sociology, stuff like that. And I eventually ended up creating my own major, industrial design. Her interest in product design for disabled population arose through working with the American Printing House for the Blind, the nation's largest producer of braille books and educational aids for the blind and visually impaired over the past five years. 
APH is in Louisville, Kentucky, where I grew up. And I worked there as just a regular engineering intern after my freshman year and loved it so much that I went back and did my capstone for my IC with them. And I loved my time there and it really made me want to do product design for disabled populations because I had so much more fun there and the work was so much more rewarding than any of the other internships I had. Since graduating, she started Include Design a Rhode Island-based product design firm with the goal of creating products that empower individuals with disabilities around the world. And they just launched their first product, the LapSnap. So let's talk about your background, because I think your background is super interesting and how you kind of put all your pieces together to create Include Design. So you have a degree in mechanical engineering, and then also one in industrial design. Can you touch on how you use those degrees and then your time at the American Printing House for the Blind to discover that you really wanted to work with and empower those with disabilities? So after my freshman year of college, I did an internship at the American Printing House for the Blind. So then when I um, was a senior and I was doing my capstone project for my IC, I knew that I wanted to go back and work with them. They create thousands of products for the blind and visually impaired communities. And so I said, well, there must be something that here that needs redesign. And so I talked to them and I worked with them for my capstone project. And because of that, because of the fact that my independent concentration was to do with the disabled community, the dean of the independent concentration department at Brown decided that I needed to take this class called Pathology to Power with Professor Sarah Skeels. And that class really solidified for me Um, everything that I'm doing now. Uh, I knew before going into that that I wanted to do product design, but it was really taking that class with Professor Skeels that made me know that I wanted to do product design for disabled populations. It was about the history of disability justice and all kinds of things I had no idea about, about accessibility today. And it really just changed the way that I look at design and like what are the purpose of design. I remember when I was talking to Emma and you're friends with Emma, Emma Butler, right? Founder of Intimately. Yeah. So when I was talking to Emma um, and we were talking about, you know, the difference between using the word disability versus differently abled and when working with the population and creating products for this demographic and said that she prefers to use the word people with disabilities or disabled. And I noticed in your bio as well, like that's disabilities was the preferred word. And then as you're kind of talking about like the history of it and learning about it, um, I'm sure you know, I'd like to hear your perspective of what was used disability versus differently abled and kind of what the perspective is on um, the differences between those terms. I think that things like differently abled or handy capable or uh, stuff like that is most often uh, comes from non-disabled folks who are trying to sort of get around, I guess, the fact that people are disabled um, or kind of throw it under the rug. Whereas at least all the disabled people that I have spoken to prefer to be called disabled because they're like, that's what I am, right? No, it's not a bad thing. Right. It's not a bad thing. It's not a dirty word. Um, it's just, you know, a fact of who I am. I don't, you know, shy away from saying that I'm a woman. Uh, yeah. It's just a part of my identity. And some people prefer disabled person versus person with a disability. That's identity first versus person first language. But the disabled community is much more split on that than on disabled versus differently abled. So we tend to use both person first and identity first language um, because people feel differently. So you entered um, 
this, you know, this, this sort of industry with your first product, which is LapSnap. And for everyone listening, they actually hit your fundraiser goal, right? You had a fundraising goal for, what was it, 10K? Yeah, we just launched on Kickstarter a couple of weeks ago. And within the first week, we hit our 10K goal, which will let us manufacture the first run of LapSnaps. And it's open for about another month by the time you're hearing this. So hopefully we will have raised even more money so we can do more things and hit more of our goals. That is incredible. 10K in a week. That is an accomplishment right there. Wow. Yeah. It's been really wonderful to see all these people that I know and all these people that I don't know. Um, it's honestly been just, people have been so kind and I am blown away. Yeah. Okay. So it's for the product, the lap snap, right? And yeah. I want to talk about this. So for, obviously I want to get, you know, I want to hear about like what this product is and, and how you kind of came up with this, but also to everyone listening, like Diana actually made the prototype. So you, you didn't like send this to a manufacturer or something like that. Um, so I want to hear the process. Like, have you done that before? Did you know what you were doing? Or how Not did at you- all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had done prototyping before for, you know, engineering school, but with wood and metal, I was on the car team. So I helped build a race car, but there's no fabric in that. Uh, and so this project started as my senior capstone engineering project with a couple of other girls in my year, Chloe Rosenberg and Hannah Mintz, uh, who are now on the board of Include Design. And we talked to uh, my professor and a couple of other wheelchair users that we knew in Providence and asked what their needs were. And they were kind enough to go to Market Basket with us one weekend when we had our prototypes that were just made out of like cardboard and, you know, canvas hot glued onto wood. <laughs> but by the end of the semester, we had refined our ideas. We knew what we wanted uh, LabSamp to look like. I'd done some you know, renderings. And so this freshman named Grace Talley, who was very kind, and I had just met one day when I was working in the BDW, taught us how to sew and let us call her when she was like at a party at 2am and ask her sewing questions the night before our project was due. Uh, Yeah, so it was the three of us in the BDW. Uh, Some of our partners came by and we were just sewing all these pieces together. But yeah, luckily, um, I got really interested in it. And it was really wonderful during quarantine. I made a quilt uh, for the first time and stuff. That's so awesome. That is like, that is the grind right there. I respect that so much. <laughs> Figuring out how to make your own prototype. So, okay. So break down the, the lap snap for us. Like what is, what is this prototype? What does it look like? Um, and what is its like chief functionality? So it's a Navy bag at this point um, with teal turquoise webbing for handles and a belt. And it has a, a yellow buckle and it's a rectangular prism about the size of one of those plastic hand baskets that you would use at a grocery store, which is what it's originally based off of. Um, because a lot of wheelchair users, their best option right now is to take one of those hand baskets and put it on their lap and put their groceries in it as they roll around the store. But that's not connected to you in any way. And so it's really easy for your whole load of groceries to just fall off. And then you have all your groceries on the floor and that's embarrassing and no one wants that. And so the main Thing that's like really key about the lap snap is that its attachment is body-based not chair-based so there's a lot of products for wheelchair users that are chair specific or model specific or brand specific because i didn't know this until i started working in this field but there are hundreds of different kinds of wheelchairs i thought there were you know a couple different brands a couple different you know models but they are custom built for the people who use them based on their specific body measurements. So no two wheelchairs are alike. Um, And so they don't all have the same parts. Um, One of my friends uses a power chair 
and it's got, um, you know, armrests and backrest and headrest. And one of my other friends is more, she has more athletic chair. And so it doesn't have a backrest. It doesn't have arms. And so we were like, okay, there's not really a standard attachment point that we could use. So that was the first kind of key insight was that we made it body-based. So there's a strap that you can put around your waist or under your legs through the arms of your chair, whatever works for you. Um, and it also is used to keep the lap snap closed. Um, and so it's collapsible. When you are not using it, you can throw it in your car or, you know, hang it on the back of your chair if you want to, you know, take it with you um, to the store. And it's got some pockets on the side closest to you. So you can put your phone, wallet and keys, stuff like that, so that you don't have to kind of try and twist around and get into a backpack behind you or something like that. And it's got a fat, uh, padded foam base on the bottom. So, you know, when you're using those plastic hand baskets, they're like injection molded and they're kind of pointy and awful on the bottom. And so they would like dig into the wheelchair user's legs and leave those like angry red marks and restrict blood flow. So now we don't have that problem. So this is essentially a more accessible grocery bag. Yeah, that's how it started. That's how it started. And so since then, since we sent it to the user testers, people have been coming up with all kinds of different ways that they would use it. Um, We've gotten laundry, some people use it for gardening, household chores. Apple picking. One woman has like six tiny dogs she wants to carry around in her lap snap. So the possibilities are uh, endless, but basically anytime you need to carry stuff, this can be helpful. So your, so your company actually was called lap snap, right? In the beginning. So now it's include design and lap snap is the first product of many. So how did you decide to go into like the grocery bag type of angle when you were trying to create products? Sure. So one of the people I originally worked on this with her younger brother uh, used to be a wheelchair and user. And so she was interested in doing something for that market. And she knew from her experience with her brother that luggage had been really difficult for him when they had tried to travel as a family. And so we asked my friend, Sarah, who's a wheelchair user, hey, is this a problem for you? We're thinking about designing some luggage for wheelchair users. And she said, no, not really. Um, I just put a duffel bag on my lap. Um, and if I have more than that, I get my husband to roll an extra bag for me. But what's really difficult is grocery shopping. And so that's why we always talk at Include so much about the human-centered design process and working collaboratively with the people that you're designing for. Because I think a lot of able-bodied designers can really easily fall into the trap of designing what they think that people with disabilities need, as opposed to actually asking them and working alongside with them through the whole process. So let's talk about that human-centered design process. So you're going through creating this prototype and you mentioned, you know, you really didn't know how to do it. You learned how to sew and and you did that whole thing. But I mean, I'm sure there's so much more there when it came to like talking to the right stakeholders, like you said, being sure that making sure that everyone's voices were considered when creating this, this product and you called it the human centered design process. So like internally with your team, um, what are the types of questions you're asking or how do you go about that process? And what does it look like when you're actually I mean, beyond sewing, like, what does that look like when you're, when you're coming together and putting it all together to create your, your final prototype? Yeah. So the human centered design process is something that we use all the time at Include. And in the beginning, we were actually going to the grocery store with wheelchair users first to see what they did. So we could understand, you know, what they were doing now, what kind of solutions they um, had currently available to them. And then later to test our early prototypes that would, you know, kind of model one feature or one aspect of the prototype uh, of the product we were trying to create. Obviously, since the pandemic started, we have not been able to do that. So we shifted to doing a lot of virtual interviews. We did a couple dozen over last summer 
and talking to as many wheelchair users as we could get talk to us, honestly. Um, and everybody's really kind uh, when they find out that you're interested in, you know, working to design products for populations that are often overlooked. And so, you know, we would talk to one person, they would introduce us to two other people, and then they would introduce us to a couple of their friends. And that's honestly how we got all of our, our research done. Um, and then once we had done enough user interviews that we felt confident that our design was going to work the way that we thought it would and that we had addressed um, you know, all the issues that people were bringing up, then that's when I sewed the, the first run and sent them out to people to do a four month long test with them. So they would so that they would do surveys and they would do Zoom interviews with us and we would just get all sorts of information about how they were liking the product, what they were using it for and how it could be better. So how long was that process like creating the prototype to, to basically coming to something that you were you were comfortable enough saying, let's raise our 10K and, and ship this out to people? Well, this product, this project started in fall semester of 2019. Uh, so I saw that first prototype in, I guess, December 2019. Things were slower than usual, I think, with COVID. But yeah, I saw the, the, the first 10 prototypes last summer, and we finished our user testing in January. And then since then, it's been, you know, working with manufacturers. Kickstarters take a long time to plan. No one told me that, but they take forever to plan. Um, it, yeah, so it's been about a year and a half in the making. You are a year and a half in and you started while you were in college um, and you were part of the Brown Nelson Center and, and were you part of the B-Lab and stuff or? Yep, we did B-Lab in 2020 and it was wonderful. Cool. So how is your team, what was the founding team like? And then how has that kind of grown over time the past year and a half? Yeah. So the founding team was the three of us from that uh, design class, me, Hannah and Chloe, and we did B-Lab together. And uh, then at the end of the summer, they both had other jobs um, they were going to do full time. Uh, Chloe's a financial analyst and Hannah is a high school teacher, which is awesome. And so they are on the board now. And I have been bringing on some other people slowly over time, a couple of interns and volunteers that are really wonderful that helped me get to where I am now. So now you've raised your 10K and you said you're open for like at least another month. So let's hope you like more than double that. But you're going to be raising all this money. Um, what is the next steps? Yeah, we have our manufacturing uh, supply chain all lined up, which is great. So I don't have to sew them all myself. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so we've got a plastic manufacturer a metal manufacturer and a fabric goods uh, manufacturer because there's a lot of different components to it, even though it's a very simple product. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be placing the order and fulfilling the Kickstarter rewards by the end of the year. And then it'll be available on our website and also in a couple of other places, including um, there's a organization called Bridges, which has opening up a cafe slash boutique store in a mall in New York of products created for or by people with disabilities. And we're going to have some lap snaps there as well. Awesome. So you're, so you're going to be selling, I'm assuming direct to the consumer. Um, yep. Are you, is there any like plans to try to get this provided by stores? Um, that is something that we have thought about and are still considering, but I think one of the things that wheelchair users have repeatedly identified as being really helpful about the lab snap is that it can go home with them. So, cool. you know, whether you're using uh, you know, some combination of an electric shopping cart or uh, you know, pushing a regular shopping cart with your hands while also trying to wheel your chair or the plastic hand baskets, which are all terrible options. At the end of the trip, 
you know, you can wheel it to your car maybe, but then you have to either take it back into the store uh, or whatever. But then also you can't get it home with you either on public transportation. You can't, you know, take the shopping cart home with you or throw it in your cart. We actually have talked to a bunch of wheelchair users who did end up just like stealing the shopping baskets because that was the easiest thing for them to do. Uh, and then they would like get too embarrassed wow. to take them back. So yeah, the lap snap is really easy because it just has handles on the side. You can just place the whole thing in the trunk of your car or leave it on your lap while you're, you know, taking the bus home. Um, and then you can take it from your car inside really easily and unload your groceries. So um, it is something that we're interested in, but it's not our first priority. Cool. So, so this is pretty much made the money's there and, and you're going to be, you know, manufacturing this and, get, and getting it out to your consumer's hands. I'm interested what the process for finding a manufacturer and making that partnership was because we talk to people, either they're like early stage or they're like just making the prototype and they're going to find a manufacturer or they're like bigger, like Emma, and they've, you know, kind of figured this out and they have a manufacturer they've worked with. But I want to talk to you with that unique perspective of you're in the middle where you just kind of solidify that partnership. Like, what does that look like when you have a product or a prototype, but now you got to go find this manufacturer that you trust that, you know, can, you can pay a solid price that's reliable um, and get it out to as many people as possible. What was that like? It was definitely one of the more difficult parts of starting this business. I thought having worked in manufacturing before that it would be really easy. I would just, you know, send over some CAD files and we'd be good to go. But fabric goods manufacturing is a lot harder than that. Luckily, we're not doing clothes, which are even more difficult to get right because you got to think about how it, you know, fits the person. But I learned about tech packs, which are like these giant spreadsheets of all the dimensions and drawings and patterns and all that kind of good stuff. So we got connected to a couple people just through personal connections. And then we also used um, the Rhode Island Polaris MEP program, which is really wonderful. They have a supplier scouting program, I think it's called, where they will help you get connected to suppliers in your region or across the US that are interested in, in making what you have. So you get to send out a little like some pictures and description of what you're looking for and they'll get people to respond to you. And uh, so we've partnered with a manufacturer for the soft goods component called Peckham, uh, Peckham Incorporated, which is in Michigan. And they are actually a nonprofit that helps people with disabilities and other barriers to employment get job training and then helps place them in the community in other uh, roles. Oh, wow. So now they're going to help you with this. Are you looking at next products for Include Design or are you kind of more focused your resources on LapSnap and waiting to get this massively manufactured? Yeah, I mean, until until now, it's definitely been focused on the LapSnap because I wanted to make sure I could do one product well before I started trying to, you know, do yeah. other things. Um, the easy next products are a smaller version of the LapSnap because wheelchair users are so variable in size. Sorry, wheelchairs are so variable in size. I guess wheelchair users are also variable in size. <laughs> um, <laughs> a smaller version for people who have smaller chairs or are children or uh, who use walkers instead of wheelchair because they also have a lot of difficulty carrying things. But farther down the line, we're always looking to partner with either individuals or bigger companies that have ideas that they want to learn how to make accessible. So we've heard a lot of great things from people we've done interviews with of like, oh, it would be great if you would do this product next, or I really need a solution to help me with this. And something that has not begun development, but is really interesting to me is, um, have you ever heard of a grabber or a reacher? It's one of those things where you like squeeze the handles on one end and there's like a clamp on the other end. But those are really difficult for people to use who have low hand mobility or quadriplegic because they can't do the squeezing motion. And so trying to figure out a way to do that either electronically or pneumatically or something like that so that people uh, who have those limited 
hand dexterity could could use that. I think it's cool. You you mentioned you want to you know work with other companies and see how they can make their products more accessible. And when I talked to Emma Emma Butler from Intimately, she also said like, look, I'm not trying to by any means like dominate the field. Like I want to help other companies like better their products that they already have. Um, and so it's not really competition. Like we're all trying to collab together and, and make sure that you know we don't have to push people with disabilities to another community with products over here. We can be an inclusive community and, and work with the same brands and all that, but just have accessible products and services for everybody. And so I think that that's really cool that, that that's where your focus is. And I was wondering, like, how have those conversations gone when you, when you're working with, you know, different thought leaders or, or industry leaders, or important people at companies and brands. And the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, folks with disabilities have been overlooked just period. Like they're an overlooked population, but it's, but at the same time, simple things like getting groceries or like putting on clothes, like we're not talking about like, you know, unique actions that people do every once in a while. Like these are things you do all the time. And Emma's, you know, telling us like no one is addressing the clothes. Like, no, you're telling me no one's addressing the, the groceries. And I think that, I mean, that's just mind blowing to me. Like, like that's a whole nother level of overlooked. Like that's, that's completely different. So like, yeah, what is it, what are the kind of the sentiment you're getting from this when you're talking to people and your perspective on, on folks with disabilities being overlooked? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do have the reaction of like, hasn't this been done already? Like, hasn't someone solved this problem? Uh, because it is such a simple solution, but I, I like making simple solutions. I think that um, a lot of people are making solutions that are really complicated for problems that don't necessarily exist. And I, I want to make solutions to, you know, basic problems like this. Like everybody has to eat, uh, you know, you got to be able to carry things. And there has been some either hesitancy or resistance I have uh, received when I'm talking to people who are uh, I talk with my team a lot about we have two audiences, right? We when we're discussing our product, we have a novice audience, which is people who are either you know, our friends or family, professional contacts. They might be experts in their field, but they don't really know anything about disability. And we have our expert audience, which is actually disabled people who know the problem as soon as they like mention it. And so when we're talking to our novice audience, a lot of times they don't get it or they don't want to get it. Almost, um, I've had you know fancy business dudes ask me like, oh, well, why is this even a problem? Like wheelchairs can't even go to the grocery store because they can't drive, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, when you think about overlooked populations, they're just, they're so overlooked to the point where people don't even think about them being overlooked anymore, you know? Wow. You, you said you, you're talking about this issue internally with your team. And again, your early stage but as you've grown over the past year and a half, and as you're having these conversations internally with the team and externally with stakeholders and stuff, how does that go into shaping the culture of your team or the values that you all try to preach and put into practice when creating your products? Yeah, well, um, my team is still small. So everybody is really you know, close and able to be really open with each other. And that's something that I want to continue as we grow. Um, my mom's a therapist. So the importance of clear communication has been uh, stressed to me from day one. And that's something that I think is really important and is not necessarily stressed enough in most companies, both com clear communication with each other about expectations and, you know, what we're trying to do, but also clear communication with our customers of here's what's happening. Here's what we want. Here's what we're trying to do and being open to being wrong and having them call us out on being wrong. I'm not a wheelchair user. And so 
I'm sure that at some point I've done stuff that was not like what they would have wanted or what they would have correct. I'm sure that my first design of this product was not the best that it could be. Hence it's changed. And so we are really, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. And so, you know, it's really good to be open and to make it clear to your audience that you're open to being corrected or being better informed because, you know, one person or one team of a couple people can only be so knowledgeable, right? We don't have the lived experience of everybody who's following us on Instagram or, you know, reads about us if we get a news article published. And so when people tell us, I like your product, but this is my experience and I think this is how it could be better. We love that because now we're, you know, we're getting another data point about, okay, how does this individual person's disability change how they use the product? Because every disability is different. So do you remember any, like any of those feedbacks or things that you had to change that you never really thought about when you first created the prototype? I'm just curious how that iteration process went. Yeah. Yeah. When we first created the product, none of our user testers or people we talked to were quadriplegic, for instance. And so we're working, this is something I forgot to mention earlier, but we're also working on a a version of the lap snap that's more quad friendly. So for instance, it has a parachute clip on it, which a lot of people can't do because of limited hand dexterity. And so we're working on them with magnetic clasps. And additionally, something that I had no idea was that um, some people who are quadriplegic, they have limited like trunk mobility. And so they wanted it to be one handle across the top, kind of like a messenger bag instead of two handles that you could hold with your hands so that they could loop it around their neck and link one arm behind the chair to kind of stabilize themselves while they were using it, which I had no idea of. Um, And that was a really interesting insight for me. So we're going to be working on that one in the future as well. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I feel like we got a a great amount of Q&A right there. That was awesome. I always like to ask at the end, how can, you know, as you guys grow, like, how can we get our community help out? Because I'm seeing potential everywhere, right? And it's just waiting for everyone to blow up because, you know, the oldest of us are what, like 25, 26, maybe. Um, So we're all really just teetering there. And, you know, you just raise your money and you're about to get it out there. So I know you're going to be growing. And I want to know if there's, you know, any way that we could get our community to help you out, whether that's like you're looking for hires or you're looking for, you know, more people to test your products and give you feedback or you need donations on your website. Um, What are the different ways that we could get involved to help you out? Yeah, we're always looking for more passionate people who want to work on products to help disabled populations. So if you're interested in working with us, uh, you can reach out to us at thelapsnap at gmail.com. You can check out our website, include.design or thelapsnap.com to see what we're up to recently. So right now, if you go look at it, you can see our Kickstarter link is there and you can check out our uh, campaign and, and back us if you're interested. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at include.design to keep up to date with everything that's going on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was a very insightful conversation. You and Emma are both doing awesome things. I'm so glad you guys are like great friends. And and I don't know like what's going to happen in the future with maybe a potential partnership between Intimately and Include Design, but we're going to have to keep up with you too because there's going to be some crazy cool things you guys are going to do in the future together. So thank you so much for being here and everyone listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, definitely check out their website. Go donate because this is this is just great, impactful work that they're doing. So thank you. um, And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Thanks.